0: Uh, it's SaaS based on usage. Um, the lowest price is ten dollars, and it goes up to sixty. But our average revenue per user is twelve sixty-three, um, just uh, you know, twelve and a half bucks. So, you know, it really took us a long time to build the customer base out to the point where you know it was went from a side project to full time.
1: You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Baird Hall. He's building out many different companies, but most importantly, he's a tech entrepreneur who co-founded a three bootstrap SaaS companies designed to help podcasters and video creators to get more reach and engagement on social media. As a founding partner in LoFi Ventures, he's co-founded Wave, Subtitle, and Duplicate. All right, Baird, you ready to take us to the top?
0: Yeah, let's do it, Nathan. Thanks for having, All right. having me.
1: So, so what came first? It's I mean, it sounds like you're trying to help. You said podcasters specific and video creators specifically. Did you start out, out, out start out as a podcaster?
0: No, we fell into it. We actually tried to build back in 2015, we tried to build a social audio network. It was think of like Reddit based on audio. So like these forums um, and threads all based on audio messages. And it was a failed startup. We worked on it for two years, tried to raise money, really did all the things incorrectly. Um, And at the end of that project, we had this little internal tool that took a lot of these audio clips from this startup that didn't work out and shared them on social media. We used it as an internal marketing tool. So we actually built it internally, used it ourselves. And when that company folded, uh, we started selling it and that was January, 2017. And, um, we've been running with that ever
1: since. So 2017, and I'm assuming you're talking about wave W-A-V-V dot Co. Yep.
0: Yep. Yeah. That's our, um, audio sharing tool.
1: Okay. And so the first, I guess the first user was you, but the first sale was what in 2017?
0: Yep. January, 2017. That's when we launched uh, kind of version one and started getting our first sales in the door
1: and you're selling direct to podcast hosts that want to take the audio clips out and put them on social?
0: No, it's directly to the podcasters themselves. So um, they use this independent of their podcast hosts. Um, The podcaster signs up, uploads their audio content, and can clip it, choose animations, images, and really make it exactly, look exactly the way they want it for Instagram, Facebook, wherever they're trying to promote their podcast. So I think podcast trailers is kind of a good um, one-liner for it.
1: One of the things I always struggle with with this is if you look at like consumption of video content on these social networks, especially on mobile devices, a very large, I don't know the actual number, but a very large percent actually happens on mute, which means you have to have a a very compelling visual in the first two seconds to get people to actually unmute. Otherwise, these clips are totally useless. How do you approach that?
0: The first thing we did was um, provide a lot of customization. so people can use images. The best thing to do is put um, a headshot of somebody of the guest, ideally, usually for these you know, for uh, interview style podcasts, and uh, make the visuals look really good, really sharp animations. But the big key was having um, automated transcriptions and captions so that even if it's on mute, whatever the person is saying, identifying multiple speakers and having the words show up as the clips playing, Uh, was really key. So we got that in um, and people have been using them. And, um, you know, it's a lot of podcasters that don't have an audience. They're really trying to build it. So they're trying to find really unique ways to stand out and, um, you know, get people checking out their podcast for the first time. So that's kind of our core, uh, core audience there.
1: And how do you make sure that that doesn't kill you from cost perspective, right? If, I mean, if I take one of my 15 minute episodes and want to transcribe it, I, I pay rev $1.50 to transcribe, you know, you know, each minute, essentially, if you're doing this for yeah. free as part of your tool, I could see this adding up as a massive cost center for you.
0: Um, it's not bad because we only transcribe the clips themselves, which are usually pretty short. So while that podcast episode is 15, 30 minutes, we uh, the promotional clips we usually recommend being anywhere from 30 seconds to two minutes. So, um, the transcription costs, it's really gotten more efficient over the last couple of years. Um, so between that and, um, just video generation through AWS's tools has gotten a lot cheaper so we can run pretty lean from a technical perspective these days. What, really would you,
1: nice. what would you estimate in terms of number of minutes of sort of transcribed segments you're producing each month across your entire customer and user base? Oh,
0: that's a good question. I haven't looked lately. Um, I mean, it's well over 10,000 videos uh, The average on, uh, you know, between one or two minutes. So I think that's probably the best guess I would start with.
1: And how many videos is each sort of user making per month? Or maybe just a better question would be how many customers do you have paying for the platform?
0: Um, we've got, um, let's see, active subscribers should be, uh, it's 9,000 9, active customers right now.
1: Okay. And you're using a tool. I was curious what tool people use. Are you using bare metrics or profit? Well, or what?
0: Yeah. Uh, bare metrics for wave and then subtitle uses profit. Well, so.
1: so. you like That's to divert, you like to diverse diversify, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like to, and you know, I keep it up all day and, um, got it up in front of me right now, actually.
1: <laughs> okay. And how do you bill? I mean, is this is a SAS platform or a pay per video or what?
0: Uh, it's SAS based on usage. Um, the lowest price is $10 and it goes up to 60, but our average revenue per user is, 12.63, um, just, you know, 12 and a half bucks. So, you know, it really took us a long time to build the customer base out to the point where, you know, it was, went from a side project to full time. Um, so, you know, it was very, very much a volume play. We're really pushing it far and wide and trying to keep costs down because a lot of podcasters, most of them are DIY and, you know, not exactly making income from their podcast project.
1: Yeah. I mean, but I mean, this feels like a pretty healthy business then, right? I mean, if you've got 9,000 customers paying 13 bucks a month, what is that? Like 100, 110 grand a month in revenue, something like that?
0: Yeah. 115. That's what we're at right
1: now. That's great. And so you again, you've done that since 2017. So not, I mean, that's not bad growth at all. Have you done that all bootstrapped?
0: Yep. All bootstrapped. We haven't raised any money. We all put, a, my co-founder and I put a thousand bucks in both and uh, have just been building it that way. The first year was, man, it was a lot of just a lot of direct outreach and, um, Getting this thing off the ground took just a lot of brute force, but we were very lucky in the fact that our product creates content that um, helps promote the product itself. So we have watermarks, and uh, you know, for our free plans, and then even our premium users, like the the animations that we've created are very unique to Wave, um, so uh, it, it really stands out. So word of mouth has really helped a lot too.
1: That's interesting. I, I don't want to just skip over that though, because I talked to plenty of founders that, that say this is their strategy and they just cannot execute. So, I mean, the fact that you've gotten 9,000 customers over two years and over a million dollar run rate bootstrap is impressive. So like, let me dig here for a second, right? So Thanks. when you yeah. say, when you say your first hundred customers, that really was just pure outreach and brute force actually take me through like what your days looked like back then. Was it a LinkedIn search for podcast host and then a LinkedIn message or like, how'd you do it?
0: It was a lot of uh, my technical, uh, Nick is my technical co-founder and he built me this, um, we use the um, iTunes API to give me a little search dashboard. So I'd go on Twitter and I would try and find people that are promoting their new episode, ideally like their first or second episode. I'd look for their podcast in our little search tool and then their RSS feed always had their email in it. So I'd grab the email and then I had a little template that um, I was just sending cold emails to people and probably sending in between 30 and 50 every day or two, I would say. And um, that's how we probably got our first 50 to 100 customers. And then um, we started doing some work on social outreach on social media really worked. Hitting up podcasters on Instagram, they would share an image of their episode. And I'd send them a direct message and say, Hey, why don't you turn this image and try it with a video instead with that audio included. So um, that was probably the first 100. And after that, content marketing really started picking up for us. Um, And then it's kind of just been slow linear growth every month since then.
1: Let's stay on this for a second. So you're sending 30 to 50 cold emails per day. What was the subject line?
0: Um, uh, that's a good question. Gosh, I can't remember off the top of my head. It would usually be something like, um, something really short, like your latest podcast ep- episode or, um, you know, checked out your podcast, something like that. Cause I would, I personalized most of these. I wasn't, I mean, I use a template but I was still looking up the podcast, saying, "Hey, I, you know, I saw you promote on Twitter, and you know, the subject line, subject matter, of your podcast is interesting." So I personalized them too. That that really helped. It. Um, not as far as efficiency goes, but I think it um, helped get that early attention.
1: And what were you you optimizing for in the initial cold outreach? You know, a lot of people say, well, Nathan, that's a dumb question. You want them to click a link to like book a demo or to start, you know, sign up for free. But there's a lot of people right now that are optimizing these cold emails, just like reply rate for ISP purposes, right? So were you at, what was your like call to action? What was your number one goal in the cold email?
0: So my approach for cold email is um, I keep the initial outreach very short. And I usually try to start with an opening question that all I'm trying to do is invite a conversation. Like I'm I'm not even trying to get them to do anything in that first email. All I'm really doing is trying to get permission to sell them something they might be interested in. So instead of saying like, Hey, I built this tool. Here's what it does. Here's the pricing in this big cold email. The email would just say something like, Hey, I saw you are promoting a new podcast. Like congrats on that launch. I know it takes a lot of work. Uh, What else are you doing to promote it? Like, what else are you thinking of? And if somebody really cares about podcast promotion and they're trying to find new things, they'll reply and you know, and tell us what they're working on and just start a conversation. So that was, that was really kind of my first, um, is really the first goal. And then in that follow-up conversation, that's when I introduced the product. And I'm trying to get them to sign up for a free, uh, our product's always been freemium. So it was always sign up for the free plan. You can create a video, no risk. We'll delete your account if you want us to, whatever. Um, and get them to actually try it out.
1: What is the, what is the number one, utility metric that free accounts hit, that make them convert to your $10 a month plan? Is it the 10 minutes of video generated per month? Is it the rollover features? Is is it the no way, like the no branding reason? That's the main reason people upgrade. What's the number one reason?
0: Uh, The number one reason they upgrade is more time. Our free plan is very limited. Um, It can allow people to create, you know, maybe two 30 second clips or, or so on the free plan. Um, so it's really when they hit that metric and they want to create, you know, three, four, five plus videos in a, in a w- within a month. But um, yeah, our product funnel is um, it, it's actually pretty straightforward um, as far as uh, every step in the process. That when they upload the video, you, you know they, the chance of conversion increases, but. Um, really what happens, uh, the best time is when they upload and create their first video, like people that go through that, I think we're converting like 25, 30%. Um, and we have, a uh, our conversion rates around seven to 9%. So we have a lot of volume coming in, um, for that type of conversion rate to sustain growth.
1: Well, so yeah. So let's like break that down. Let's just take June. So right. Last month we're recording this on, I don't even know what day is July 28th. Right. So, so in June, how many new free trials did you have mm-hmm. come in?
0: Um, I would have to pull up our reporting and I don't have that exactly. Um,
1: I guess guess it, I I
0: guess it, Well, we, we get 300 a day. So, um, I guess we'll just have to do the math on that. So 3000, I would say between three and 4,000 free trials.
1: Okay. And then the main action that, you know, those free trials have to take is to create that first video, right? So on 3000 and do this each month, how many would you say actually create that first video? Uh, it's
0: over 50%.
1: Okay, 50% first video. And if they create a first video, so of the 1,500 accounts that create that first video in a month, about how many of those convert to paid?
0: Um, That's a good question. It's probably um, half. um, I think it's around 30 or 40%.
1: Got it. So if you start with 3k trials at the top, and then we go down the funnel 50% first video, so 1500 make a first video and then another 30%. So about 500 convert to paid at I minimum. you're adding about 500 new customers a month.
0: Uh, more like 1000. So probably have to work back way from there between like 800 and 1000 new customers. So those numbers are probably a little, little low on the conversion side.
1: Interesting. So, what do you think your opportunity is, right? I mean, you—it sounds like—I mean, it sounds like you've actually done what most people would do, right? Which is, you build a large freemium base, and the way to generate more revenue is obviously keep that funnel going, but also upsell them additional products to increase your ARPU per customer. So, you've built new products. I mean, is that the thinking there? And if so, talk to us about the second product.
0: Yeah, we we actually built another product within Wave called Wave Link, which is a landing page for your podcast. Um, so, we do have an upsell available there for. Um, $8 a month. So you can use a custom domain, and it's just a nice, easy landing page for your podcast. Um, But ZubTitle was really the second product that came out of this uh, when we built our automated transcription tool for Wave. That was just for these audio clips. Well, we went through all this work of uh, generating automated transcriptions and rendering them uh, in videos using uh, FFmpeg that we figured anybody can use this for any product uh, or for any video. It doesn't have to be a podcast. So ZubTitle was actually uh, another company that spun out of this that just focused on actual video footage um, as opposed to audio to video. So ZubTitle is a second product. And it was just a pretty simple uh, captioning tool for any video. You upload it, same thing happens, transcribe, and then um, create a new video with the captions. But um, that did okay. We got up to like...
1: Brian, I was going to say, I was going to say from a product perspective, I land on the subtitle page and I go, Oh my gosh, any Gary V wannabe signs up for this instantly because it basically lets them create the Gary V style video like instantly. And and you probably know that about your customers. Sometimes,
0: Yeah. Sometimes we joke that we're basically just creating companies to help people look more like Gary V same thing with the audio, you know, the wave audiograms he's done those before. Um, so yeah, we're definitely, you know, leaning into these video trends. Um, and just trying to this is what people want to create and we try to make it easy for them um, so subtitle is um, it was interesting it was just a captioning and subtitling tool and it was okay we were doing like seven to ten thousand a month um, pay per use we were doing like by bulks of minutes as a trains very transactional um, and it kind of clicked with us that same thing about the gary v style video um, so we've really shifted to more captioning is just a part of it but it's all about getting your videos ready for social media getting the Progress bars, um, transitions, you know, cropping, things like that.
1: Yeah, I am surprised, by the way, that you do not have a strong on Wave a stronger SEO strategy. I mean, all of your keywords. I'm I brought it up in AHREFs. Most of your traffic comes from people searching the brand name, like or like audio waveform yeah. generator. There's not a lot of like you know subtitles on podcast or or podcast words. Or there's not a lot of those keywords you guys are ranked for. So I'm curious why you haven't explored that channel
0: well it's tough we do a lot of organic um i mean we have a lot of blog posts uh, but yeah most people are finding us with direct searches and i think that's because it's hard for people to articulate what these types of videos are because they're kind of hard to define audiogram is like the best kind of term that's come up but uh, the average person doesn't really know what an audiogram is or what that even means it's actually like a hearing test which is confusing with, with seo Um, So I think it's, I think it's hard for people to like type in exactly define what they're looking for, but when they see it from one of our customers that's using it and hears about it that way, then they're just like, Oh, this is, we find people all the time. that's like, Oh my gosh, I've been looking for this exact thing. Um, So I I think that's probably the best explanation because we definitely have been hitting, you know, the turn audio to video keywords quite a bit in all of our blog posts. Um, but. Yeah, it's kind of hard to um, get the attribution down perfectly for that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Help me understand growth. So again, you're at about one hundred and fifteen thousand a month right now in revenue. Where were you a year ago on Wave?
0: A year ago, we were at fifty one thousand. So we've pretty much doubled in the last um, in the last twelve months.
1: Great. And I, again, nothing raised except a couple thousand you guys put in at the beginning. You guys profitable?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. But we are maniacal about our. Uh, Profit margins and we sit around 70% for um, monthly profit margins.
1: Yeah. So you're taking like 70 grand of the bottom line every month.
0: Yeah. That's what this month was. I so really.
1: rarely, Barrett, I rarely get the chance to do this because most people I interview are like the Silicon Valley, New York types that are burning like 30 million a oh, month yeah. and are going to be like out of business tomorrow. But like the ones I enjoy the most are the founders that will, you never hear them talking about building a billion dollar unicorn. They don't care about a tech crunch headline, but they are happy, they're healthy, they're traveling the world and they're printing money. And so one of the questions I always have for founders like you is how do you think about, and this is not a bad question, by the way, I think a lot of founders, this is like, well, I don't want to talk about taking money out of the business, but personal wealth gives you more freedom and makes you happier. Right? So how do you and your founders think about generating personal wealth out of the company? You just pay out dividends every month, or how do you think about that?
0: Yeah, just distribution. So we all have our own personal um, LLCs that we kind of manage and the company pays to. So, uh, we distribute as much cash as we can. I mean, um, as far as Wave goes, we're not really seeing any major product development right now to reinvest into. The product's pretty mature. Podcasting's continued to grow. Um, we've tried the upsell products, and um, we really are interested in other working. We, we have two other ideas that we're um, cranking out, uh, hopefully, over the next three to four months. Um, so yeah, the, the idea is to distribute out as much cash as we can and use that flexibility and freedom to keep working on and building more companies. That's what we love to do. We're not operators. We do it obviously because it's, um, part of the gig, but, um, we really love creating new companies. It's that, that first six to 12 months is what we really love. Um, so we're kind of hooked on that
1: you're clearly very good at going from like nothing right to, you know, a $2 million run rate, like over and over again. Right. I mean, so do you sort of see that as your sweet spot is that over time you'll keep launching these new products in the way that you really generate a lot of personal wealth is you essentially, you know, once you had a $2 million run rate on these things, highly profitable, you flip them and sell them to people for a big exit. I
0: think, I think that's the plan. Um, you know, we're seeing with wave at this point that, um, You know, as far as what this what Wave really needs is more operations um, and operators coming in because if somebody can come in and you know shave off a half a percent of churn, it's going to make a big difference. Um, But that's not the kind of stuff we like working on that very minute, specific um, type of uh, more managerial type work. Um, So yeah, I think there is a sweet spot for us as far as companies go. We don't want to build too big because we also don't want to be managing sales teams and You know, project managers, and you know, have a bunch of people under us. We we like to do the actual work, so we don't want to outsource everything. So I think we are in that kind of you know five hundred k to two million ARR sweet spot that we like to work in, and uh, we haven't had our first exit yet. But I'm assuming that's kind of, I mean, that's probably going to be the goal. I don't think we're going to want to you know hold and work on things forever.
1: Yeah, what's the team size today? Just on the wave product,
0: three. Uh, We have three equity partners and. Uh, three to four contractors.
1: Okay. Got it. So you're an equity partner, your partner's an equity partner, and there's a third silent partner or something?
0: Um, no, is it, uh, we have uh, three working equity partners.
1: Oh, got it. Got it. So you guys, it's like 33, 33, 33 on sort of all these ideas.
0: Um, No, it varies based on uh, this uh, one partner came in late. So um, he is at a lower, uh, lower stake, but um, any new products that we create, we do readjust with a new cap table because we want partners you know, there were times, um, you know, with subtitle, for example, there were uh, um, people that, previous partners that just couldn't take the risk to start a new company. So um, we're, we're, each cap table is unique
1: yeah that's fascinating and what if i mean you sort of see these teams that work very effectively together they almost have like their own persona superhero personas mm-hmm. you know the the business lady or the business guy and then you have like the developer then you have like the person that's like we'll just growth hack like crazy and has very high empathy levels right so when you look at your your three on wave how would you sort of yep. typecast the three of you what are you uh
0: marketing and support so i'm listening to the customer my goal is to understand what our customers are looking for asking about what's frustrating them My job is to take in all that information and relay it to my other partners who are both more technical, um, but also still very uh, good at a lot of other things, too. Uh, But uh, Nick Fogel, who's my original co-founder, he's a former lawyer turned software developer, so he can wear a lot of different hats. Um, And he really he plays more. uh, CFO, basically, he's like really high level, he's doing software development. But in the company standpoint, he's really thinking high level about finances and um, allocating resources, things like that. And then um, Rob, our third partner, he is front end feature development, he can really take all of this and put it into the product. Um, so that's kind of how uh, us three kind of all work together. Here. No
1: no team in Argentina, or Krakow, Poland, it's, it's those two guys de- developing it or no?
0: um those two and then we have um we have a uh, almost full-time um developer that's local here and um a full-time uh, marketing marketing coordinator.
1: Okay, so five of you guys total. Yeah. Wh- and where is here? Where are you?
0: Uh Charleston, South Carolina.
1: Oh, very cool. Okay, so sort of five on the team. Your, lo- your lawyer turned software developer and CFO sort of does some dev work. Then you have another kind of of your three equity partners that does more of the front end dev work. And then you have sort of a full time developer there in Charleston and then sort of a full time growth hacker.
0: Yep. Yeah, that's pretty much the team. Yep, And a full time support person as well.
1: OK, so six of you guys is Contractor. total, but still yeah. but still pulling 50, 60, 70 grand a month profit at the bottom line.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we only use outside of the equity partners. We don't hire, hire employees. We only hire contractors. And something we really like to do is we actually like to hire contractors that are working on their own entrepreneurial ideas, and they work for us. And um, we kind of help teach them different areas of business, and they, um, you know, spend half their time working on their own thing and half their time working on our product. Um, I think it it it's great incentive, and that uh, we know that those People are hungry just like we are
1: because uh, we were there once too. So And they're, and they're learning uh, from you, which is why they do it. So, I mean, do you pay it? A, yeah. a dev- I mean, obviously don't share the salary of what you're paying a your person in Charleston, but like for someone else that loves that model, they want to hire entrepreneurs, they want to bootstrap, they want to bring on people that are hungry, that want to learn from them and they want to, and it's a developer sort of role. I mean, are you, what are the is like 60, 70, 80 grand, something like that? Or is it half that since it's part-time?
0: Yeah. No, that's, that's, well, it's half that, but that's about what the hourly rate would equate to um, outside of benefits.
1: Got it. So, your sort of job description would sort of look like listen, I want you to keep building your side project, man, keep hustling, but I think you can also learn from us. So, we'll pay you 30, 40 grand fixed annually for you to do front end dev work, keep doing your thing. And when you're ready, you can just transition totally out and keep building your own product and we'll bring in another developer.
0: Yep. Yeah. And we make it very clear that we understand that your contractors, you know, we can't force you to work certain schedules. We can't force you to do stand ups. We can't, you know, we really are, you know, um, really want you to have autonomy, um, as long as it's, you know, mutually beneficial. So we like to think we're pretty easy to work with. And, um, we've been lucky to just find great contractors that some continue to work with us, even when they're
1: businesses. Yeah, that's great, man. I can see why that would be addictive. Hey, I just realized we're way over time. I apologize. I got sucked into the story here. <laughs> no Fill out one or two more numbers for me. What's gross uh, churn look like on wave?
0: Uh, between nine and 11%. It bounces around quite a bit, um, seasonally, but, um, so yeah, it's pretty high. We're in that prosumer area Uh, not quite consumer but not b2b either uh, with podcasters so it's pretty high we're doing a lot of things um, to try and drive that down we've got some internal projects uh, that we're interested in that might become products in the future so um, that's definitely been a big focus for us
1: interesting and if you had to back into a cac right for a new 13 dollars a month customer how would you back into that
0: well, I know we're paid, you know, we do a lot of paid search and Google ad search and we get a 40% return on ad spend for that. Um, so we're spending, you know, 20, I don't know, 20 something dollars uh, per customer that comes through. Um, but, uh, you know, it's always hard to gauge with um, the other marketing just because a lot of it's organic and word of mouth. But, you know, I, I would think that we're, I don't know, it had to be around six or seven dollars um, or so.
1: Yeah. And you're spending on keywords like audio tweet, screen share audio, how to market a podcast, add music to a picture, these sorts of things.
0: Yep. Yeah, definitely.
1: Very cool. And you learn, I mean, do you come up with those because you are on calls with customers and you hear how they talk about this thing and then, you know, Oh, they keep saying audio tweet. That's what we should go target.
0: Yeah. It's a lot of, um, we don't do any phone calls really, but it's all, um, through intercom chat support. So, that really helps us, um, you know, we really try to be hands-on with customer support, see how they're talking about things, what their language is, what the questions they're asking, and usually reflect those in our help articles uh, initially. And then we'll kind of go from there and start building out campaigns or use those to fuel content marketing, things like that.
1: love that. All right, man, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, favorite business book?
0: Favorite business book would be, um, I don't know if this counts as business book, but it is to me. Moneyball is my favorite book. Um, it's about the business of baseball and building baseball teams, but the creative approach that they've used to go against the norms, uh, very bootstrapper-ish. Um, and I think it's been kind of a big foundation of how we think about building features or hiring contractors. We're looking for value for low cost.
1: Yeah. Number two, is there a CEO or founder you're following or studying?
0: Mm, Not off the top of my head. I follow a lot on Twitter. Um, uh, I've always been interested. Uh, I think one of my favorite to follow is um, Shamath, who was at uh, the Facebook and built AIM. His last name I would butcher. Um, social, social, technology. social
1: capital. He's he's very big in the SPAC yeah. space right now.
0: Yeah, very different from uh, the way we think. So I think it's interesting to follow him, and he's had a lot of hot takes lately. So um, just trying to keep up with him. But um, no, I'd say um, you know there's a lot of people on Indie Hackers. I love being on that forum and just following other. Bootstrappers that have, that have kind of done it like we have.
1: Number four or number three, is there a favorite online tool you have for building the company?
0: I don't know how I do this without intercom, to be honest. I mean, as a one man show, being in control of marketing and support, I mean, that's that handles all my chat support, all my outgoing messages, all of my um, onboarding as well for automated messaging. It's so expensive and it hate, stings to pay that bill every month, but I just, I'd love to find an alternative that's cheaper, but I, it's, I, it has to be, I mean, it's where I spend all my, all my time.
1: Yeah. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? S- seven. Okay. And which situation married, single kids?
0: Uh, married and I've got an eight month old daughter who has just been awesome. And, what a uh, fun,
1: what a fun life moment, man.
0: I know it's funny. My business partner, he also has a. He's got a year and a half, half year old. And when we started the companies, we had these big dreams of we're going to bootstrap our company, we'll travel the world, and do whatever we want. And now that we're at that point where we could do those things, we have kids, and it's we're in and we're in quarantine. So we, it's a blessing that we get to. I mean, I get to you know put her down for naps, go work while she's sleeping, and um, it's been amazing. So much better than I imagined.
1: That's a that's amazing. And how old are you? Thirty three.
0: I started, uh, 27, I've been at entrepreneurship for six
1: years. So, um, All right, man. And take us home. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew?
0: Listen to yourself. Stop listening to other people. Spent so much of my time trying to, you know, following all the guidelines and steps that family or society or whatever tells you you have to do. Um, and I wish I had just listened to myself and realized that there are plenty of possibilities out there. Um, I didn't start doing that until my late 20s.
1: Guys, Wave.co, helping podcasters market their shows, 9,000 paying customers at about 13 bucks a pop, doing about $115,000 a month in revenue. And the engine is roaring. In June, 3,000 trials, 50% posted their first video promotion, 30% of those converted to paid. So call it 800 to 1,000 new customers per month. Churn is high, but you know what? Again, the funnel is so strong, it doesn't really matter. They are bootstrapped and profitable, taking about 70% in EBITDA margin cash flow to the bottom line. That's helping the founders create great personal lives. They're They're healthy. They're making money. Team of six people, two engineers. Again, focus now on scaling into other products like subtitle.com. Barrett, thanks for taking us to the top.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Nathan.